you never come home taking the short way home. So home, I believe, is like the body and being in a body that you feel confident, you feel great in, that you trust, that is capable, that functions and that performs. So I think we open up this conversation of we're so obsessed with the objectified body, with the physical appearance, and it that's really our vision. Our vision is to change our aesthetic body. And now I'm not saying that's, you know, you know, the whole sports are like about that. But what we're missing is the piece around performance and the functioning of the body. And so when we take the long way home, yeah, of course it takes longer. It takes years. You know, I've had a solid training practice for like 11 or 12 years now. So what you see me do is like 12 years in the making. Welcome to The Body Never Lies. I'm your host, Leela Lutz. Each week, myself and experts from around the world help you uncover the secret ways your body communicates with you to empower you in your own individual health journey. We're going a bit off topic of myths this week because so many of you have been asking me, in terms of fitness, health and recovery, what is the long way home? What does that really mean? And I get that because a goal needs to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Otherwise, it's just this obscure, arbitrary, vast, unattainable thing way out in some time in the future, maybe never. My guest today, Amy Kate Bowie, is a strength and conditioning coach who was once like me and many of my clients, followers, and listeners. She found herself at the bottom of the pit and had to get back up again. You might see her on Instagram doing all these completely amazing things with her body, hanging, rope climbing, handstands, beautiful clean snatches, and with this beautiful athletic body. But one day she got injured and she had to start all the way from the bottom. What happened to her was not able to be overcome in a 12-week transformation or just by setting an aesthetic goal. She had to take the long road home. Now in her warrior school, she coaches women all over the world to do just that. I've had the pleasure of working alongside Amy with some of her clients, and I've seen firsthand their leaps and bounds forward, and not just making aesthetic changes to their bodies, but first and foremost, increasing their capacity, capability, and performance for life. Hi, everybody. My beautiful friend, Amy Bowie, is here today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> and you know, you know, I was thinking of you last night actually because my daughter said to me yesterday, Mommy, why do you go to the gym every day? And I said, Well, I now sit at a desk all day for work. And so I, I need to go to the gym and move my body around. And, uh, you know, you get to do sport at school and you have playtime in the playground and you climb and all the play equipment and you run with your friends and stuff. I actually, as a, as a grown-up, I have to make that happen for me and I want to be super strong and I want to be able to play with you, you know, and climb up things with you and do things with you. And to, to be honest, like that's the truth for me, what movement is. And um, and this is what I really want to talk about with you today because um, 
if I just had the goal of losing weight, which everybody knows is like I've got a weight loss goal, if I just had that goal, it wouldn't be enough for me to go to the gym. And also I think that when you are taking the long road home, and we can talk about this too, is like you don't, you can use exercise to lose a drastic amount of weight, just like you can use food to lose a drastic amount of weight. But when you train functionally, like you and I have been taught <laughs> to train, to, to me, I can't, in my brain, I couldn't even force myself to do that training or that nutrition to do drastic weight loss for so many reasons. And that's what I want to talk about you to, with you today. You know, I'm not training clients as much anymore. And so I feel like I'm a bit like out of the game in that perspective of like talking to clients about what it's like to program design for them for the long way home. Like how do you convince them, no, I don't want you getting on that, a treadmill and running like crazy and, you know, doing thousands of leg presses just to lose 20 kilos, you know, because people think that, right? They, and I was explaining this to a male client the other day. He's like, but he was still trying to get this. Like, but don't you just exercise and you just burn off what you don't need? And I'm like, mm. <laughs> like the equation of energy is not even that simple, you know? So I really wanted to talk to you today about how do we, as people who are so hardwired to go, well, what happens is when you gain weight, or you start a gym program, you just throw yourself in there, you know, or you walk into the gym and you see someone doing a clean and snatch and you'll see trainers trying to teach people how to do a clean and snatch when their client doesn't know how to squat properly, you know, doesn't have range of shoulder mobility and thoracic mobility to even do anything overhead, never mind a snatch. So, Amy, where do you start with someone who's just like, but Amy, I just, I just actually, I just want to look like you. <laughs> I want to be lean and toned like you. Okay, where do we start? Uh, I do remember one of the first conversations I had with you when we were talking about training that you shared that your like vision or mission is to be able to use movement to connect with your daughter to play, you know, to keep up with her. Uh, and, you know, one of my warriors the other day, she said that, you know, I want a body that carries me through my life, that I feel so capable and I trust it so much. Uh, so I think, I think, well, the place that I'd love to start is, you know, is your foundation strong enough to support your vision? And we can really, we can get into, I love talking about foundation, which is really bringing in what you want to talk about around like program design for the long way home. Maybe we'll start with like, what is the long way home? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, if we think about fitness culture, diet culture, that is the short way home. So the shortcut uh, you know, the put it in the Google Maps and it's going to give you the, the most efficient or fastest route. Uh, and so a lot of women that I have worked with uh, have taken the short way home. Now, that's not their fault. It's, it's the culture that, you know, the fitness culture, the diet culture. And they have adopted behaviors that, sure, they work. 
you know, they do, like you just said, you know, we can uh, eat less, we can move more, you know, and maybe we get results initially. Maybe it really works for us at the start. But then what I see is that over time, it doesn't work. We start to realize that our physiology and our amazing bodies are actually quite really like quite complex. And so then a lot of women get stuck because they have hormonal problems, they get injured, they're burnt out, they're tired. They actually can't get the results that they want in their training. And then they're like frustrated and overwhelmed and they don't understand. And so I think like 12 years ago, when I started working with my coach, I think the real problem that I saw was that women weren't taught how to build a strong foundation. So if your vision is to have a strong, capable body, if your vision is to, you know, compete in a certain sport, if your vision is to change your body composition, this all of this stuff starts with, is your foundation strong enough to support your vision? And we can talk about uh, like what is a foundation and do you want to talk about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's important, right, because especially in that um, I'm seeming to end up with a lot of clients, end up, that's not the right word, but a lot of people are coming to me now from the pro-metabolic community and they are um, have put on too much weight. Okay, gone beyond the myth of the healing pounds and put on too much weight and have things like exercise intolerance and stuff like that. And I almost see it as a perfect opportunity from the exercise perspective to build a foundation because your body has forcibly, I'm not saying that everyone should go and put on 30 pounds. No one should do that. It's actually really, really, really hard to lose the weight. (laughs) I'm just going to say it's hard. You can't lose 30, 50 pounds in 12 weeks. You can't. You need like a year or two. So you you have this amazing opportunity in a way where your body's like you can't you can't push yourself because you know even you know even you or I would do it if we were squatting you know and go I'm just going to keep pushing I'm just going to keep pushing whereas should you be pushing or is there something else that you should be focusing on like what what you know in that case Amy like are you taking people back and what what should they be doing? Because this is my my in my perspective, it's like the perfect place to build a foundation. Yeah. And most of the women that uh, come into warrior school and that I start working with have uh, are coming from like burnt out, like burnout. You know, they're they've they've trained, you know, they have, they've trained for years or decades. Uh, but I strip it all the way back down. Because look, to be honest, I've been in this industry for like now, like 13 or 14 years. And a lot of coaches and trainers aren't actually like healthy themselves. Mm. They don't actually truly understand what it takes to really build a strong foundation and a strong, capable body that performs and functions well. And Uh, so with the women that I work with, we are starting from scratch, I guess I called it like build it, building the body from the ground up. And what does that look like? Well, I think if we can think of a pyramid and at the base of the pyramid is where we start. And at the bottom of the pyramid, we need the body to feel safe. We need enough energy 
pretty much where all your work sits, Leela, is like this base of the pyramid is safety, recovery base, um, stress tolerance, energy availability. We need the body to feel pretty safe. And then once we've done the work on creating some stability, giving the body enough energy, we can then look at, okay, where do we start with our training? And for me, it starts with like a walking practice, uh, which I know that you do a lot yourself and you do a lot with your clients. Can we actually move? (laughs) Can we move in our day? Uh, And then I go back to like the fundamentals of training. So a big part of my work is looking at how, what's their body doing? How does it move structurally, biomechanically? Is there structural imbalances there? What's the mobility like? What's their flexibility like? What's their stability like? Can they control their own body? So a lot of the work that I do is body weight strength training. And I believe that mobility and flexibility and body weight strength is really the foundation in which all training should be built upon. If you can't control your own body, you haven't earned the right to then therefore externally load it, especially with like a lot of weight. So when we talk about building a training foundation, And we'll start at different places. So it depends, you know, it depends what I find when we would do a movement assessment. And I know, Leela, when you were doing your training and with like check, you do a very thorough, like in-depth, like movement assessments uh, to see what's going on in the body. Because if we think of a house, yeah, if we don't, so we've got a piece of land, if there's rocks everywhere and there's terrain and we just start building pouring concrete and building a frame on that without actually surveying the land, clearing the land, leveling the land, getting it ready, the house is going to crack and crumble down. Like so many of us just want to get inside and decorate it because it's pretty and it's sexy and it's really fun. But not a lot of us want to actually spend the time getting the foundation ready. And so A part of that is, okay, what's going on with my body? You know, looking at all the markers, looking at the health, like how is my body functioning? What are the signs? Do I have red flags? What's the work that I need to do from like the food side and the stress side? And then when we look at the training, what is the body telling us? How, what's coming up? How is it moving? Do I have imbalances? Do I have injuries? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I have things that we need to actually look at and address? Because again, if we start building on a body that's structurally, massively structurally imbalanced, now I think what's important is none of this has to be perfect in order to like progress or step up. I think that, and for example, so a lot of my women start with mobility and flexibility and we focus on whatever comes up in their movement assessment. So say, one of them has like a torn labrum in the hip, you know, and we've got a lot of hip instability. So the focus initially is to stabilize the hip, to work on mobility and control. Because if I start loading a woman un- with a, like a squat, a bar, with a history of a torn labrum on a hip that can't like function properly, well, then it's not going to go very well, <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> Uh, one, she she potentially could injure it uh, or injure herself because something will overcompensate uh, for the hip and she won't progress. 
Like we'll, we'll reach a point where the weakest link will be that hip because we didn't do the work. And so, and this is. I think that's so interesting too, because this is why I see a lot of people go, and maybe this is like where, what the long way home is really. So these people will go and they'll do this intense training program to have the aesthetic goal. And then at some point their body will break. And then there'll be this huge emotional period where it's like, my body failed me. I fucking hate my body. You know, like this whole, like, it's just, you know, I'm old. I'm not 20 anymore. Like, it's just, I'm broken. And people start really hating their body. And I think this is, to me, this is what the difference between the long road home and the short road home. Well, I, my question would be in the short road, do you actually ever come home? in the short, on the short road, because to home, coming home to me, especially when we talk about the metabolism, you know, and the metabolism being this ability to generate heat. So if you're in a log cabin and if you have a great metabolism, there's this beautiful fire in the middle of the room and it heats the whole house. So when you come home to that, come in, you put your comfies on, you put your Uggs on if you're from Australia. And except it wouldn't be that cold in Australia, but and then you, I mean, this in Canada, it's like it's not that cold. And you would eat a wholesome meal, you know, without thinking about too much about the meal. And you'd be like, I'm hungry, I'm going to feed myself. And that fire would get bigger and warmer. Whereas if you go the short road, you keep coming into this bloody freezing cabin. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where my eggs are. I'll just put on these socks with holes in them. I don't know if I should eat today. Did I eat too much today? Oh, well, I'm just freezing. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to lie right up next to this fire that just has embers burning and try not to die. <laughs> Quite a picture. <laughs> but no, you never come home taking the short way home. So home, I believe, is like, the body and being in a body that you feel confident, you feel great in, that you trust, that is capable, that functions and that performs. So I think we open up this conversation of we're so obsessed with the objectified body, with the physical appearance, and it that's really our vision. Our vision is to change our aesthetic body. And now I'm not saying that's, you know, you know, the whole sports are like about that. But what we're missing is the piece around performance and the functioning of the body. And so when we take the long way home, yeah, of course it takes longer. It takes years. You know, I've had a solid training practice for like 11 or 12 years now. So what you see me do is like 12 years in the making. Mm. And that is starting from scratch, you know, being flat on my back on the floor in chronic pain. And I couldn't even get off the floor to being able to, you know, clean and jerk and snatch like well over my body weight and do all the stuff that you, you know, you can, you see me doing now, that's 12 years of practice of building that foundation or building on that. And so we get so stuck on wanting to change our, change our aesthetic body, the way that it looks, that it affects our performing body and how it functions. And I think this is where a lot of women 
taking the short way home, never get home because it's never focused on performance and functioning. But if we focus on how well the body performs, what it can do, the mobility, the flexibility, how healthy it is from a metabolic perspective, I, as a byproduct, the, the body will change. You know, the body will change. And, you know, I I often say to my women, I can't tell you exactly how it's going to change. You know, I can't tell like, but I know that, you know, from my practice, all of the amazing uh, people that I was surrounded by in Melbourne, like my coaches, my friends that can do all these amazing things with their bodies that have just such strong, capable bodies that are so healthy from a performing and functioning perspective, have rocking body compositions. (laughs) Like they're, they just look like, like lean and gymnasts and they look so strong. And I guess they look the way that we kind of envision that how our body wants to look as women. But I can tell you that they don't go into their training practice obsessed with how their body's going to look. They go in thinking, how well can my body perform? Mm. How well does it function? Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? You don't you're not thinking about that. You're you're in your body as well, I think. You're really in your body when you take the long way home. Because I think when you're out of your body, you're just always looking at yourself from the outside, going, I'm not skinny enough or lean enough or whatever that is for you. I mean, I think you know, I think it's fair to say that Amy and I come from a background where we don't actually when skinniness is not a thing for us we actually like more muscle whereas I understand you know I'm watching Melbourne um, Australian Fashion Week at the moment going there are a lot of women that want to look like um, models which is a different look and this is I think where you have to be really careful and start curating your feed and I was a model it's not healthy I can tell you from first-hand experience there's not a lot of eating going on down there so then you move into strength, you know, strength and conditioning. And I was, I actually got kicked out of modeling. Well, not kicked out, that's not the right term, but I was actually never going to, I started never getting any work. I'd go to castings. Like I'd be like, you're a bit muscly. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> so it's, yeah, but it's, but, but at the time I was at drama school and I was doing all these modeling jobs on the side. And I was like, you know what, but I'm feeling so strong. I'm just feeling more capable and I can pick stuff up and I have all this energy and, you know, in my performing arts degree, it was just like I can do the whole day. It's, it's a very physical um, degree. I'm, I'm fit and, I, and I'm strong and I can handle it and I just and I was kind of like stuff modelling. <laughs> I was hungry and I couldn't open a jar and... <laughs> You know, just those kinds of things as a woman, like I love that feeling of being able to pick, well, my dog's, not my big dog's gone now, but being able to pick up, I've seen you pick up your dog, you know, pick up your 40-kilo dog and just carry him up the stairs, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think I was having a conversation with one of my warriors the other day and we actually were talking about her daughter. Her daughter's really struggling right now. Um, she like is an elite uh, volleyball player, uh, but has got a little trapped in diet culture and has actually lost a very significant amount of weight and has fallen into like the disordered eating. And we were just, but she's curious and open to understanding like 
like how, like she's so confused around how her body works and functions. Like she, and she wants to learn that. And so I think, you know, the big gap that I see, and when I was in Melbourne, I did a lot of work for the Butterfly Foundation. So we went into schools and did workshops and presentations on body image and self-esteem. And what we're not taught as young women is how to, like our performing body or our functioning Mm. body. We're not taught how to look after our body and support our body through food, through our metabolism, you know, our hormonal health, you know, how to like train in a way that's really going to support us, that's going to build these bodies that are really strong and capable. And that's really sad. You know, Mm. that's a really sad thing that, uh, you know, I remember Libby in one of our chats that we were having and she was saying that she was te- teaching Ash about macros, you know, just about food. And how empowering is that as mm. a young female to really truly understand about performance and functioning of the body? Uh, and then, yeah, so, I, you know, that's a little bit of a side note. But, you know, if we were taught this stuff and we started to take the long way home when we were younger, just the years or decades, you know, that we would save like energy wise, stress wise, you know, hormonally, you know, injuries, all of these things uh, that a lot of women that we work with have struggled with for years and decades because they weren't taught how to build a strong foundation. They weren't taught how to look after their body. So it's interesting because I watch, I I watch a lot of like, videos of physios having to teach people how to squat how do we get to a place where we can't even squat Amy because we can't even sit down in the bottom of a squat (laughs) so actually I was doing my online class yesterday and we started this month we're focusing on lifting technique and we're going through all the big lifts and we're breaking them down And we started with working, we're going to start the session working on our squat. So I had them all sit down in the bottom of their squat. So when I used to teach mobility in gyms, when I was uh, in Melbourne, I used to teach mobility classes. So you're talking like a whole 60 minute class that is just focused on mobility and flexibility. So when we talk about flexibility, think about like yoga. So you're holding something in a passive stretch is like working on our flexibility, whereas mobility is working through like active ranges of motion. So there's a strength part as well as a flexibility part. And so I used to teach whole entire classes just on mobility. And at the start of every class, I used to make everyone sit in the bottom of a squat. Now, if you're listening to this, like I really invite you to hop down in the bottom of the squat, like like passively sit in the bottom of a squat, see if you can actually sit there for five minutes and see what comes up in the body. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of feelings and a lot of sensations, but we should be able to sit in the bottom of a squat. Well, yeah, once upon a time, otherwise you wouldn't be able to go to the toilet. Yeah. Look at, um, so look at a lot of Asian cultures. Yeah. They had to be in the rice fields. A lot of them do their cooking outside of their house, like their houses. They sit in the bottom of their squats and you have a look at culturally, they're some of the best lifters in the world. Mm. Like the Chinese, the Koreans, their squats are phenomenal. They're like, they move so well because culturally 
they move a lot. They have, have to go. The they have to rate of back pain as well in the world. Asian cultures, and if you can look it up on Instagram, people, it's like a hashtag Asian squat. Yeah, yeah. You go and have a look. Have a look at, uh, yeah, like Asian squats. They are, you know, and they often don't practice squatting. It's just culturally, it's such a big part of, you know, carrying loads and being in the rice fields and like making certain things. And they just sit in the bottom of their squat for hours. And so, you know, if we can't even sit in the bottom of our squat, that tells us a lot. So someone who can't sit in the bottom of the squat, it's going to tell us a lot about their ankle mobility, uh, their ability to go into deep knee flexion. So the calf muscle to touch the hamstring, it's going to tell me a lot about their hip mobility. Uh, and so if you're sitting in the bottom of the squat, you're probably feeling some stuff now. Maybe you can't even get your heels on the ground. So that's telling me a lot about your ankle mobility. Uh, and I guess you could say we could start from there, like yeah. sitting in the bottom of our squat. And let's use the squat as an example when we talk about this, like programming for the long way home or building this foundation. So a lot of women, you know, they come to me and they do want to get stronger. They want to be able to squat, but squatting doesn't feel good. Uh, like, Awkward, it, right? It feels really awkward. They feel really scared, like they don't feel <laughs> confident. Um, and a lot of the time it's because the mobility and flexibility isn't there and they haven't learnt the movement pattern. So no one's actually taught them the steps that they need to take, like we call it the process and the method. So if you think of any skill that you would like to be able to do, there is a process and a method that we need to follow in order to earn or own that skill or that movement pattern. So if you want to squat heavy loads, if you want to put a heavy barbell, like a hundred kilo barbell on your back and squat, there are there's a process and a method that we need to work to like to do to get there. And so for a lot of us, it's working on our ankle mobility, you know, our calf mobility how, like, what's our knee flexion like? What's the stability like in our hips and our mobility and flexibility of our hamstrings and our adductors? Uh, and then, you know, can we actually do a bodyweight squat? And what's happening when we do a bodyweight squat? Uh, and, you know, uh, have we been taught about the stance? Have we been taught about you know, how to set ourselves up, how to create tension? A huge thing that I work on with my women is breathing and bracing you know mm. that you know to actually create create tension in the torso in the midline is so important especially if you want to put yourself under load so there are steps that we need to go through before we think about putting uh, a bar on our back now does the squat have to be perfect before we put a bar on our back hell no no it's not it's not about being perfect a lot of the time we're not perfect because we're human and we are structurally a little bit imbalanced. And so it's not about reaching perfect mobility or flexibility or having a perfect movement pattern, but it's about really understanding, okay, what is the work that I need to do to make sure that my body is as structurally balanced as possible and the movement pattern is as strong as possible. So, you know, How's my technique? How's my range of motion? Do I have control in the movement? And those are kind of some checklist things that we can go through that give us an indication. Can we progress to the next 
variation or progression in the movement. So a lot of us might start with bodyweight squats, you know, and looking at the technique, looking at range of motion, you know, we really want a squat that's like pretty deep, you know, it's, I don't think it's okay to only go to 90 degrees. <laughs> like, I think if we want to really own the movement and lift a lot of load, we need to go, they say like ass to grass. Yeah. But not like ass to grass passively. We can hold it actively, but a deep squat. And so we might start with body weight and then, you know, we might go to a goblet squat. Then we might start to look at, can we add a bar to our back? We might have to do it to a target, to a box, like a box squat. And then we can work on taking, making the target lower and then eventually taking it away. And that might take months and months and months. Sometimes it might even take a year or more to get someone to actually load up a bar to do a back squat that is technically pretty good, has good range of motion and good stability. And that's just an example of a movement. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think like when I think of squatting because unfortunately some people come have come to me with some interesting strategies on how to squat and and a lot of it has been I think a lot to do with we have this fear of like movement can hurt your knees (laughs) so you shouldn't do that because it's bad for your knees and you shouldn't do that because it's bad for your back and we just have this like glass ceiling and this lesser than, you know, and so you just go, well, I'll just go and use the leg press then. And I'm not going to say that bodybuilding is bad because there's a massive place for bodybuilding because for me, if I have a client who's got a weakness somewhere, bodybuilding is a great tool to isolate a weak muscle, train that weak muscle, build up some hypertrophy and then reintegrate it back into the system. And um, bodybuilding has so many values, but we're talking about you can't just bodybuild all the time. And even we had Russ on the show who focuses a lot on bodybuild training. You know, he's been a crossfitter and he's, you know, you, you can't just bodybuild all the time if you want a functioning body. Um, but it's just, I, yeah, I just find it so interesting how challenging it is for a lot of people to squat and it's just because we don't use our bodies properly. We don't wear the right shoes. We don't move our ankles around, like you're saying, and we just sit still too much. Yeah. And look, if we're talking about the long way home, like my coach, like he, he taught me how to truly take the long way home. Like I had to earn and own every movement. So if, we, if we're talking about the squat, like you'll notice, you know, when I, when I squat, I wear flat shoes I or bare feet, like I don't wear, you know, knee sleeves, I don't wear a weight belt. Uh, and now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. They are definitely, they, there's a place for them when you're talking about hip, lifting heavy load and competing in like, you know, Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting. Those things are tools definitely that support the body, mm. but yet, you know, and I've just started to actually go back to a gym again. And watching all these people, you know, there's guys in there walking around doing bodybuilding with weight belts on. And then there's guys that are just like doing bent over rows with like, you know, 40 kilos with weight belts on. Now, of course, it's a bit part of the culture because it's a bit of a powerlifting gym. But, you know, and, and everyone that's squatting has lifters on and has elevated their heels. Now, I'm not saying that, yes, sometimes to elevate the heels, 
can be really helpful to support someone. Some of my women do some heel elevated stuff, but alongside that, we're doing loads of ankle mobility work. We're doing Mm. loads of calf muscle work. And this is, this is the missing piece. It's not saying that we can't do certain movements, but what are we doing alongside to make that movement better, to be stronger, to be more capable, to be more stable in that movement. And so, yeah, with the squat, uh, you know, and there's, you know, and I think what's important is like 10 years ago when we were doing a lot of squats, we were really into this like external rotation thing. Yeah. Like we were training in a CrossFit gym that we used to like really like externally like rotate our femurs mm. and like push our knees out. But like in the last five years, actually, that's not the most efficient way to squat, but that's how we were doing it like 10 years ago. Mm. Now, a lot of the work is in doing VMO work and cyclist squats. So actually elevating yourself up quite high and really learning to use your quads. Now the cues are very much like knees and quads forward. Uh, and, And so it changes, you know, there's no, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's no one way or perfect technique. A lot of women will ask me like, how, like, what's like the perfect squat technique? Well, it depends. Like your stance can be very individual based on like your, your limbs, your biomechanics, your pelvis. Um, and yeah, so I think we can get very much stuck as well on like trying to perfect the technique. Whereas we learn that over time, like we really got to expose ourselves to the movement to actually connect in with the body. And then practice like practice the movement pattern it doesn't have to be perfect and I think a lot of women are really scared they're scared to pick up a barbell like they don't feel confident and I totally get why you know if they've never been taught and they've injured themselves and it actually doesn't feel good uh, I really invite you to think about going back going back to your mobility and your flexibility and um, like building it back up from there Well, it's so interesting, isn't it, because I think we, well, I think the industry is so interesting because there's a lot of people working in the industry who don't, that they're they're a fun trainer, you know, they go and they make people do a whole bunch of exercise and it's, there's, it's just, we're all doing this today and we're all doing that and then the next session you come and we're all doing something different now and, you know, we've spoken about that in previous episodes, there's huge problems with that. It's not individualised but, you know, if you don't have a program you can't have progressive overload so you're not going to get better at anything. So it's kind of funny because the industry has kind of let people down because it's lowered expectations so much so people have just think oh, it's just this fast and fun and thing like you know like that I love my trainer always gives me something different to do each session and I never get bored <laughs> it's like oh but you know I've got this back injury now and I don't know why and you know I'm, I can't pick up my kids or you know why don't I have a glute like I don't have an ass why don't I have an ass you know? <laughs> just little things like that I guess is not under but I guess even as a coach who's done a lot of strength and conditioning training like it's interesting you're talking about you having a coach and I've had some great coaches because you can you can't actually see yourself like even when I film myself to try and give myself critique because like doing some trap bar RDLs yesterday and it's yeah, actually sure. funny because I never thought I could actually do those years ago because I had this belief about the way that I squatted until I worked with a strength and conditioning coach 
and learn how to live properly. So and now I've said they're quite, they make sense to me now. I think that's an important thing when a movement makes sense to you. But you can't, and so I can watch myself. I could see yesterday, you know, my hips is thrusting a little bit too much. So I'm not getting that, you know, bracing enough at the top of the lift. And um, sometimes that can be as well because it's not heavy enough, right? The lift, it's not heavy enough. So you just, for someone who's like me, super mobile, if there's not enough stimulus to the nervous system, I actually can't get enough contraction. And so I actually look a bit like a giraffe doing something because it's not enough like yeah so <laughs> maybe draft but so it's like I was filming myself <coughs> and uh even when I film myself it's like well but then your ego kind of gets in the way or sometimes I just don't know I'm looking at it going this looks a bit dirty <laughs> and I don't know why <laughs> you know like even the best coaches have coaches and, and I was amazed when I got a strength and conditioning coach who teaches powerlifters, is also a Czech level four like me, and I had this belief about all my injuries that I couldn't lift because I would say one of the problems with the Czech programs, we, we teach people to lift too safely and you never push them out of that comfort zone. So I was always doing sumo deadlifts because I thought I couldn't do a narrow stance deadlift. And he taught me a narrow stance deadlift and I doubled my weight in one session on the bar <laughs> now not that that's important it's not about the weight going up and being able to smash the ceiling on the goals and stuff but I just it was it was just like I was holding myself back so much and if you think about that in real life if, if I go to pick up some heavy pot in my garden it's like oh I can't sumo so I can't pick it up yeah <laughs> Because I'll injure myself and how limiting that is. Whereas I'm going, oh, cool, yeah, no, I can narrow deadlift. And so, yeah, I can pick up that because that's the position I can get in to lift that up. And I know I can narrow, stand there in a narrow stance and pull from the floor and pick up 100 kilos. So, yeah, cool, I can do that. Like that's the kind of point, isn't it? Yeah, it's Look, I believe we all need a coach. You know, I've had a coach for over 10 years. I'll have a coach forever uh, in my training, in my business. You know, I am such a big believer in having a coach, you know, and you don't have to work with a coach for 10 years, but if we find someone that moves really well, you know, and you can see it even like uh, if we don't even have, you know, training or experience or degree in it, you know, you can clearly see when you're watching someone on Instagram, how well they move, you know? (laughs) Uh, And so find someone to teach you how to lift, you know, to teach you the technique, to teach you how uh, to create effort and tension and give you those cues uh, because it, it helps you step up into to a bar or step into a weight room with confidence because you understand uh, how to do it, the technique behind it, you know, the the qualities and the standards, the process and the method. Um, and yeah, like you said, it can, you know, dr- drastically change in one session, like how much load you could move or how, how much better it feels. Uh, and yeah, so I think if you're feeling stuck with the, the training stuff, like the technique is one, what we call training fundamentals. So if you think about your training, it's like, there's like an umbrella 
And there are fundamentals that we should really know and understand. So one is technique. So in all the movements that you do, do you understand the technique? Can you do it technically well? You know, have you, do you own the movement? That's probably one of the best ways I like to describe it. Owning the movement means that you can, you've got, you know, range it, you've got control, there's stability, you're owning that. You're not flopping around like a noodle. And so think a lot of like a lot of high intensity training, like F45, which is one of the worst things that has happened to the fitness industry. Um, you know, I've done a class actually out of curiosity and it's not great. <laughs> it's, it's so dangerous because you're moving so fast and there's no tension. There's no quality. There's no control. There's no foundation. And what I often say to my women is that we have to earn the right to train hard and move fast again. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with training hard. Like I train hard. And if I wanted to, I could train fast. You know, I could do a high intensity session and I'm going to be okay because I know structurally I'm strong, you know, and my body's healthy and it functions. So I think there's this misconception of like training hard is bad for you. No, actually not having a strong foundation and not being healthy metabolically is bad for you. We can train hard. Uh, Now, would we do high intensity training every day for all of our sessions? No, not going to serve us. But could we do it every now and then if we enjoyed it? For sure, if we have a strong enough foundation. And so a lot of women have been stuck in this, you know, the the HIIT workouts and the orange theory and the F45s and everything's fast. And, you know, and when women come into warrior school, I slow everything way down like so slow (laughs) and they hate it initially creates a lot of friction for them. And it's really hard for the first three months to slow everything down because you have to come into your body. You have to be aware. Everything's tempoed. Everything's body weight. (laughs) There's so much stability work there. And that's a really frustrating and scary thing because it's uh, like you just said before, Leela, it's you know, we love training to get out of our body. Yeah, I just want to like train and sweat and it like feels really good uh, to move fast and to get out of my body. You know, then I don't think about anything. And that's not the point of that's exercise. Like that's a workout training. We need to learn how to train as women. Training is a practice. And that means that we need to slow everything down. We need to go back to our mobility and our flexibility, back to our body weight strength, you know, a lot of tempo work. uh, And we need to get into our bodies. You know, what did training teach you today? What did you notice? Uh, Filming can be one way, like a really cool tool as we learn, like what the movement. Uh, should look like we can we can use filming a lot of my women in warrior school I get them to film for me because I give them feedback but they actually get to see you know how they're moving and they get to pick up um, cues because I think this whole thing you know you want to learn how to train as a woman like how do you train your body and I think that's the most one of the most empowering things Um, and to be able to coach yourself uh, in the practice, I think something that stands out for me as well is like people were saying to me, "Oh my god, like 
it's so interesting doing a body transformation myself. I say that in as a term. And people come to me, so what are you doing? Like, are you, oh, you must be like working out so hard, man, because you look so, like you've lost so much weight and you look so good. And um, I haven't lost that much weight really because I've put on so much muscle mass. So the scale weight is not dropping a huge amount, but I have a lot more muscle mass than I used to have. But the interesting thing is I'm compared to what most people think training is, I'm not training hard at all. Like in that terms of like sweat and come back and I'm like, I'm dying. And I'm like, so I find it really funny. It's like, and you know, I was talking about this, you and I've talked about this, you and I've talked about this, like I've had such massive gains in body composition, I feel, because I know I have a really strong foundation. And even though I've trained, you know, I've been in the industry for 20 years and I trained for years and years, I still went back to super basic, right? Uh, I know that my left ankle is, is doesn't have great mobility because I broke it a few years ago. And so over the last few years of not doing as much movement, it needs to have a little bit of work. So doing all my ankle mobility. You know, my front squat really sucks. So I'm just going to do some quad work and some single leg work. And But being at the gym and really getting into your body and creating tension and using tempo, like you say, you get the muscle to work. And you get the yeah. results. Like you have the transformation. And I'm not sitting there at the gym like about to vomit. <laughs> Actually, I didn't have any muscle mass when I used to train like that. I was just skinny. And so um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like it's that being in your body is so important. The irradiation is so important. The muscle-mind connection is so important. And so when you're a person who's who thinks you have exercise intolerance or thinks that you're too stressed to train or you're starting from the bottom and it's so hard you actually can have really significant gains if you just know the technique and you know and you like you say you build these foundations and like so much better than the other way yeah uh I love the bit that you brought up around like the tension and the radiation you know how many people don't know how to do that they actually don't know how to connect the mind the muscle and create the tension uh like yesterday in class I was talking about the setup for a back squat and actual how do you grip the bar and you know where does the bar sit on you and actually you know the the you know shoulder blades into pockets and you know just the bracing of like the the torso and the and they were like just blown away the difference the feeling of being actually taught how to actually grip the bar mm. and set the bar on your back and engage you know the the shoulders and the scapular and then the breathing and the bracing and the connection you know I think the missing piece for a lot of us is, you know, the reason why we focus on mobility and flexibility and slow everything down is because you're going to get stronger that way. The more mobile or flexible you are, as well as being stable, you know, think of like, if I'm only ever squatting quarter squats or like to halfway, 
you know, I'm not going to be able to grow a lot of muscle to get super strong. You're just not. Yeah. But if you have more range and you can actually put the muscle through the longest range possible, it's going to get bigger and stronger. And so this is why flexibility and mobility is really important. And then the stability piece or the tension piece, so like the tempo, doing things slower and controlling it also stimulates more muscle growth and you get stronger. And I think that's one of the hardest things for us to understand is like, if I slow everything down and learn how to do it properly with control and tension and I'm mobile and flexible, I'm actually going to get stronger and build more muscle. And yes, it's it will take a little longer. Well, actually, no, not really, because most women aren't getting any change. You know, they're training a lot and they actually don't have any change in their body composition, really. Uh, especially when it comes to muscle mass. And a lot of women do the same weight for years or decades and actually don't get stronger. So this is actually not going to take, I call it the long way home, which is really the short way home. Because imagine just taking the short way home over and over and over and over again for the rest of your life and you never get there. Whereas if you take the long way home, it is really the short way home. It is just going to take you know, some years, yeah, for actually for you to um, have a body that functions and performs really well and is strong. I think the thing about having a coach as well, Olivia and I have talked about this too, is that you, the long way home feels really bloody long without a coach. (laughs) Because I think for a few reasons, one, your ego gets in the way. Even my ego gets in the way. Mine too. Totally, like, and we're going to do it. We're going to do a live. Amy and I are going to do a live, and I'm going to get her to assess my because I really want to get back to chin ups again, and I need some help. But it'd be really cool, cool for you guys to see how far I've got to go. To get to <laughs> <laughs> you know, but how sexy my back is going to look from all of the groundwork that I'm going to do for the chin up. Um, so, which is really important, right? Because people. It's just we just hit so many things at the same time. It's it's about going the long road is actually about going setting yourself like mini targets as well because it's we can never live in that thing, right? Can we talk a little bit about that? Like you can't just go in two years I will get there because you'll like let's talk about how we goal set for the long road, how we actually program design, like what kind of phases are you setting up for your girls? Like what does it look like? Yeah, I love that you brought this up. It's um because I'll often get asked, well, how long is it going to take? Yeah. How long is it going to take for me to get a full push-up or to get a chin-up? Or how long is it going to take for me to get uh, you know, a heavier squat? And look, I could probably, based on like, you know, what I see, how you know, how your body moves and what's happening right now, I could probably give you a ballpark figure, but that's not how it works. And it's not how I teach women. I teach them. Let's uh, let's go with a skill, right? We'll go with the chin up, Leela, because you were just talking about that, right? So if I have a woman that says, I want to be able to do a chin up or a pull up, I don't say, okay, in two years, you're going to get it. I say, okay, we start with hanging on a bar. Can you hang on a bar? If you, can, if you can't hang on a bar for five seconds, well, then you're not going to be able to do a chin up. 
That just is what it is. Hanging sits at the base of any pull-up movement. So we need to hang on the bar. So all of my women start with hanging. Now, some of them can't even hang on the bar for five seconds, feet assisted. So meaning their feet is on something and they're hanging. But over time, we build that. So I guess a milestone would be a 60-second unassisted hang. So I'm hanging on a bar like a kid at a playground on the monkey bars, just hanging there for 60 seconds. That tells me that you've got pretty good grip strength, forearm strength, uh, and we've really worked well on your, uh, your shoulder range, so your overhead range. So if you put your hands above your head, if you find that your arms sit forward, like Uh, In the periphery, you can see like your elbows and your wrists a lot. That's going to tell me that there's some shoulder stuff going on. And again, if you're trying to pull with shoulders that aren't open and mobile and strong, we're going to cause some issues. So hanging helps open that shoulder range, which basically means that the arm and the shoulder gets to go behind the ear. So that would be... And you don't just passively hang, right? That's, you know, just let your whole body just... So that's one variation. So yes, we could do passive hangs. Now the passive hang, the intention there is to really stretch out the tissue. So what I'm really doing is I'm building my grip strength. I'm working on my elbow health and my shoulder health, but I'm actually stretching out a lot of the tissue. So we, the lat that sits under your armpit, uh, we stretch the lat out, we're stretching the spine. So we use it a lot for like spinal decompression and to stretch out all the, the muscles on, on your back essentially. And so a passive hang, yes, it's great for joint health, but then the next step is an active hang. So you're hanging on the bar and then what you're learning to do is to pull your shoulder away from your ear and pull your shoulder blades down and together, like you're pulling your shoulder blades into your back pockets. That is an initiation of a pull-up. And not a lot of us are taught that. A lot of us just pull with the front. So we pull into the chest and the biceps, and we actually don't even use our back at all. And this is why a lot of women can't get a single pull-up is because they were never taught how to properly engage their their shoulder blades and come into their active hang. So then my women work on active hangs and that's the ability to articulate and move the shoulder and the shoulder blade and engage all those muscles that we need. Then the next step we would work on is some other accessory work. So you were talking about all the things that you're going to do for your back before you get your chin up. There are things that we can do like rows. A lot of my women do ring rows, you know, our scapular work. Uh, there's so many accessory and strength pieces that we need to do before we get up onto a bar. And, and so we're doing things like ring rows, you know, banded pull-aparts, rows, scapular work. And then when I feel like they've got the base strength so they can do, you know, certain amount of like ring rows, I'm happy with how their active hang is progressing. We look at then doing like top of chin up holds. So basically we're holding ourselves at the top of the bar. Now, can we hold that? You know, can we hold that position? And we're building strength there. Then we would look at doing, you know, some feet assisted negatives. So working the negative of a movement, so the hardest part of a movement, is one of the best ways that we can build strength and build the pattern 
And so then they would work like on the negative part. So they're at the top of the bar and then they'll slowly lower themselves down using their feet. And we would slowly build that out. Can they then hold at the top with no feet? Could they do a negative with no feet? And then we would start to work on like feet assisted chin-ups or pull-ups and eventually progress to be able to do uh, a strict pull-up. Now, all of that that I just that I just told you about, to be honest, for a lot of women, it can take a couple of years to get mm. really good, solid pull-ups and chin-ups. It's probably about a couple of years. Yeah, some so. of my yeah, some of my warriors that have been with me for about four or five years. It was about two years of us doing a lot of scapular work, a lot of hanging and a lot of progressions until they got full strict pull-ups and chin-ups. Now now they can do like, you know, reps of um, chin-ups and pull-ups, but it's probably a good, yeah, two years. Now, and that's, that's if you are doing the work. You know, a lot of them do this hanging work and this upper body stuff at least twice a week. And so... It also depends how much you expose yourself. Um, And I think that's really important to talk about uh, is, yeah, the exposure of the the stuff. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's an example of one skill. And I hope that gives you a little bit of an insight into we don't work off exact timelines. And I'm sure you're the same, Leela, when it comes to like metabolic health, you're working off markers. Mm -hmm. You're working off what the body is telling you, you can't just say to someone, yeah, you're going to be totally healed in six months or two years. Like we don't know that because the body is going to tell us, yes, we have like a process and a method that we can follow. And there are certain signs and qualities and standards that we're after. uh, And that's what we use. And I'm sure you can speak to what you use, but when it comes to training, I'm after qualities and standards. You know, if you want to get a full push up, there are certain qualities and standards that you need to achieve and own to get that full push up. And I can't tell you how long it's exactly going to take, but I can give you the process and the method. And if you do the work, you're going to get a full push up. Well, yeah, and so much of it depends on, yeah, like you said, the exposure to the stimulus. Like if you say to a client, you need to do that three times a week and they just do it once a week, well, that's just not going to work. And also (laughs) the... The, the reason why someone can't do an exercise can be super, super individual. So I think, you know, it's really interesting. I find it because I still work with a lot of men and I find men so interesting because they don't like the process. <laughs> I love guys. But even Craig, Craig said the other day, like women are just so much easier to work with because you... <laughs> give them a roadmap and you give them markers and they work to each marker as men are just like I'm just going to muscle my way through this and it's true but you know it's a classic example because I have a few guys that have so you know the way that I work with people with a physical body is more assessment for complex injuries and helping other trainers do programs but the only it's so interesting. So looking at a few guys who are like, oh, but I, I, you know, I'm doing all these back exercises, Leila, and I still don't, you know, you told me to do all these back exercises. And I'm like, yes, but I also programmed in all this mobility work and flexibility work to stop you from using your biceps to pull yourself up. You have <laughs> massive biceps. This is so funny, right, with men in the industry because they look great from the front, but then they turn around and there's no muscle. <laughs> 
Uh, but I'm doing so many back exercises and it comes back to what you're saying. If you can't get the muscles into the proper position, you can't get the joint into a proper position because one muscle is pulling it too hard in one direction. You're never going to get the other muscles to work, never, ever, ever. So that mobility and is really important. Men hate stretching and they hate mobility work. They hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, they do. But I often say to them, because they used to be really tough in my, mobili- my mobility classes, but I would always just say, well, you don't move well. Like you're yeah. never going to get super strong and... No. Uh, and progress because you move like shit. Like, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. watch people in gyms all of the time. They just move like shit. And yeah, I just yeah. think you're never going to get super strong and get the results that you want if you move like shit. So why not just spend the time actually doing the mobility and the flexibility and learning to move really well and so you can do the movement really well so you can actually get really strong. <laughs> Yeah, and it could just take a while, right? Like it could be that you have to, you know, say for, and this is really interesting with my husband because he's the same, he just muscles up, like it's just got these massive biceps. And uh, but he has the worst shoulder mobility. Actually, I might use it, I might use it as a, a graphic for after the podcast so you guys can see what we're talking about. So his uh, his arms come up, like he could probably see his whole hand do his peripheral vision, like that's how bad his shoulder mobility is. And um but for him to actually be able to get his scapula to work in a pull-up is we have to do so much fascial stretching of his biceps and his pec muscles. And when we first started doing it, he had to do it every set before the next round of pulls. Otherwise, he couldn't do it. But then after a while, he could just do it at the beginning of the session and he would be able to activate the muscles he wanted to do. So it gets, if you stick with it, and you have a plan, like it it moves along faster. It's what you're trying to say as well, right? But then, of course, he went and trained on his own, stopped doing his stretches. So, <laughs> And, look, it can work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like it could work and it does work. But I think what we're trying to say is it can increase our risk of injury as well. You know, if we have really terrible shoulder mobility, uh, something's probably going to come up. Uh, yeah, in 100%. our training eventually. And or even just like going to reach for your handbag on the back seat of the car. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I remember uh, Ido Portal, he's like the, the godfather of movement. And he would say that there's no such thing as a bad movement. It's just lack of preparation. Mm. And we also need to get that out of our minds. You know, this whole like, you know, lift, lift, you know, lift with your legs, spine straight. And like, don't put your knees over your toes. Like that is, it's not true. It's that it's a lack of preparation that doesn't allow our body to do that. But, you know, I look at some of the strongest men that are round back deadlifting, like over 300 pounds, you know, or 300 kilos or whatever. And, they're super strong, but they've trained that. They've trained mm. that movement. They do so much like accessory work. They've probably spent years and years and years laying the foundation in order for them to own and earn the right to do that. And so I think we need to like break out of this, like, you know, there's a bad movement and a good movement. It's like, well, no, we're just not very good at preparing ourselves. Uh, 
for, and this is where in life we go down to reach for something, which, you know, we're in a bit of side flexion and then spinal flexion, we've got a round back and we're just so structurally imbalanced and we're so weak and we have spent no time actually in that position. And so then we hurt our back. But like, really, if you spent time doing some side flexion, which everyone is so shit at, no one's spine can move from like side to side. We're like so stuck. If you spend some time actually working on your spine and and moving it in different directions, we're preparing for life, which kind of comes back to this conversation of having a capable body that you trust that allows you to do whatever you want in your life. And that means that, yes, sometimes we got to get into a gym or we got to do some boring mobility or flexibility exercises or preparation exercises. And I just honestly believe that every woman needs to strength train. She needs to learn how to be how to be with a bar. She needs to learn how to move. Uh, and yeah, so, and I think that's, you know, we're like, oh, I can't do that because, you know, be careful because of my back. And it's just that we're just not prepared. We haven't done the work. Yeah. And it's, it's also not understanding, I guess, like, I think there's a common misconception when I see with trainers in the gym and they'll be like, if you can't do the movement, I'll just keep making you do it. Do it again. Do it again. It's like, but why can't that person do that movement? So it's like I was watching this guy trying to teach this male client how to do a clean and he had no ankle mobility, but he's trying to force him into this lift and then the guy's going to leave thinking he can't do it so he'll just come back and do it over and over and over again you know to try and push himself further whereas a good coach can actually break that movement down and go well what is a clean made up of you know and can you meet all the requirements in all those broken down (laughs) movements to make up the big movement yeah Yeah. can you even front squat Well, yeah. And also like for people like me who are super mobile, like I can sit in an Asian squat, but it actually takes me a lot of warming up to be able to lift a heavy load to get out of the squat. Yeah. Controlling it, like your stability. Yeah. 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 You know, that's that's hugely different for everybody, right? Like do you stretch? Like the worst thing I could ever do, I remember when I did do some gymnastics training and everyone would stretch to warm up for gymnastics, I'm like, I'm just going to go over to the corner and do my activation exercises so I don't break. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one with women that are super mobile. Again, this whole thing of like, oh, I can't do that. I've got hypermobility. Well, it's like, well, no, you haven't been taught. Mm -hmm. Like the joint hasn't been taught to be strong in that range. Like if you look at my elbows, you would say I was, I had hypermobile elbows, but I've spent such a long time in building up the tissue and the joint structure, the muscles, the ligaments around the joint. And I also can control myself. And so a lot of women who are super mobile and flexible need to do work. What you just said, Leela, is like actually activation work. Mm. They need to, to learn how to turn on the body and the connection and to activate it. They definitely need to do like tempo work and stability work. Uh, so, yeah, they probably have great range. It's more learning to actually control their body. Uh, and I see a lot of women that are very unstable but have great mobility that need to work on their tension uh, and stability. 
And let's be honest, like I want to say, Amy, we see you on Instagram. We're just hanging out in your training, your dojo, your studio there and doing so much work. Like I want to know honestly how much movement would you do today? Because let's, let's just be real here. Okay. So I'm going to like with the deepest respect and say Amy doesn't have children. Yep. Uh, you work right next to your gym thing there behind you that I can see now. So you don't have to yep. physically get in a car and go to a gym. So there's the, the I guess what I'm trying to say, the, um, the, the limitations and the um, objections, like the things that you have to overcome to do what you're doing mm. are small. Yeah. Okay, let's dig into this. I like talking about this. So mm. I'm going to use myself as the one example and then I'll use like my warriors in warrior school. Most are mums, most are in their 40s and 50s as an example yeah. of like just like timeline and work. Yeah. That it t- okay, so myself, uh, I've been a- athletic all my life. So I come from a gymnastics and a dancing background. So I've been moving my body since I was three years old. <laughs> uh played sport my whole life. I've been in a gym since I was about 14 years old. Now, did I know exactly what I was doing? No, but I have been pretty strong and athletic my entire life. Then there was that portion when I was doing my master's and I was really stressed and I had that chronic back problem and I found my coach and that was about 13 years ago. So when I found him, I was flat on my back on the floor and I was in pain. I was weak. I was broken. I couldn't even pick a 20 kilo barbell off the floor. Like that's how bad it was. And then I rebuilt my foundation. But to do that, I was at university, yes. uh, And I was working a bit as a PT, but I would train for like two hours a day, like on my rehab, like exercises to rehab my body uh, and work with my coach. And And I think this is where the missing piece is that, you know, you look at what I can do and you look at my body, but yet for 10 years or 12 years, I've pretty much trained, you know, five, six days a week for a couple of hours a day. So what you see me do is the byproduct of, I don't know, tens of thousands of hours (laughs) of, of practice. So for the last, you know, solid 10 years, yeah, pretty much my practice is two hours a day. I train for two hours a day. I own my own business. I work from home. I don't have kids, like Leela said. Uh, and so I I can do that. I have the space. I have the capacity. And I make the choice to do that. It is such a important part of my life. It's such a priority. And and it's not, you know, I train because like, I love it. Like I love it. It excites me. I love moving my body. I don't train just to get, I'm not in it just to look a certain way. It's just a byproduct of loving my practice, loving to train. And I think this is what we also need to do. We need to fall in love with the practice. You need to fall in love with training And it's not always easy. Yeah, I get my ass kicked all the time, you know, and I remember when I first started to rebuild my foundation like 12 years ago and I had a session with my coach, I think I cried pretty much every session for the first six months. It was so fucking hard and I was so weak and broken. It was terrible. 
But over time, you just keep building this foundation. You feel more confident. You feel stronger. But still to this day, like I get my butt kicked. There's days that I was talking to someone the other day and I was, we were sharing like what makes us nervous in training. Like if I go to do rope climbs or front heavy front squats, I get nervous. Like I get literally like, imagine like you're going to walk on stage and give a speech. Like I get these nerves in my tummy because I know how fucking hard it's going to be. Like it's just going to require me to put so much effort into this movement and it like makes me nervous. And some days I get my ass kicked you know, and the session is really hard and it didn't go to plan and I like didn't enjoy it or I probably maybe shouldn't have trained, you know, all of those things. It's not always easy for me. It looks easy uh, for sure. But uh, so, yeah, I train a lot. And when I was Olympic weightlifting, you know, when I built that foundational strength, I was training a lot. Like when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting, I was training three or four hours a day, like five days a week, six six days a week. One day was a mobility day. That's a lot. It's a lot of work and a lot of volume. And it only works if you have an amazing coach, an amazing program. If you have the time to recover, you know, if you're eating all the food, doing all the recovery practices, it doesn't work if you're stressed and you don't have this, this solid foundation. Uh, Have there been times where I haven't trained? Yeah, for sure. You know, there's been times that for months and months on end, maybe I've just done walking, mobility work. I haven't trained super hard. Uh, Yeah, and then let's talk about a warrior. So most of the women that I work with are moms. They have families. uh, They have jobs. They have financial commitments. They're in their 40s, their 50s. They can't, nor do they want to really not many people want to train for like two hours a day, six days a week. (laughs) Uh, We're a rarity, I think, really, if you want to do that. I'm totally Uh, good. I'm totally good. I was at the gym yesterday. I was like, oh, I don't want to go home. Yeah, I talk to Kitty all the time. Yeah, (laughs) Kitty and me are like, if we could have been athletes in our life, I would have been an athlete. Like 100%, I love training. I would train all day, every day, if I could, if I didn't have to run a business. And uh, yeah, I just, I love it. Like that's, I love moving. I love the practice. Now, a lot of my women, they train three days a week, some of them four. So some who have been with me for years and years and years and have built their foundation, they train four days a week. And we keep it to under an hour so they don't train any longer than an hour. Most of the women that come with uh, come to work with me at the start, we do three days. And some of them who can't even tolerate very much at all, we have to start really slow. Literally, I remember Kelsey, we started with like a 10-minute walk and 20 minutes of like mo- mobility and light movement. Now she can train, you know, uh, 11 months later, she can train for an hour and she's actually starting to lift weights. So from 11 months of couldn't even walk for 10 minutes uh, and only tolerated like three short 20-minute sessions of mobility and movement can now go to the gym, train for an hour, and she started to lift weights. She's a lawyer. She's a mom. She suffered a lot of trauma and loss in her life. And now she just had, through surrogate, she just had twins. So now she's got three kids. Uh, But she's done a lot of foundational work. She worked with Josh and Jeannie from The Real Food Gangsters. She spent a lot of time healing her body and we took it slow and she was okay. 
that it was going to take like a year to get to a place where she could train three days a week for an hour and start to lift weights. Uh, And a lot of my women, it does take a good six, 12, 18, even 24 months to, to get to this place of like, okay, I can train three days a week for an hour and I can start to lift weights and move load and it feels really good and it works for them and they really like it. Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure if that answered your question. A hundred percent. I think so. I think like some of the metabolically challenged clients that I have, we're definitely yeah, even doing like a 15 minute movement practice on top and building up to 10,000 steps is where you start. Yeah. And, and then for other women, it's like bringing them down from training. Yeah. Six days a week. And Just, looking at your whole life yeah. as well. Like I've got a client who's training like twice a day, but then doesn't have time to do food prep. And it's like, well, we have to just get our priorities in line here. Because if you have time to train two hours a day, you have time to make your food and just try make your training smarter. Um, so, you know, that's what a coach can help you with from that perspective. Like some people are just trying to achieve too many things all at the same time, right? Like just going, I, I Having be, having someone to be able to break that down for you and go, well, what is it that you actually want a year from now, two years from now, for, and then setting mini goals for you, mini milestones. Mini milestones are so important. So, okay, for someone who's exercise intolerant, it's, I don't even like that term, but you guys know what I mean. It's can I get to 10 minutes of exercise, can I get to 20 minutes of exercise, and knowing that it's okay to work out for 10 minutes that you don't need to train for an hour because everyone else in the bloody industry is like, you just like go, you know, especially when you're overweight and every time you go to the doctor, they're like, you really need to just go to do this exercise and fast and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like knowing that, it's, you know, having a coach is about having someone meet you where you're at. So tell us, Amy, tell us about Warrior School. Tell us about how women can get in touch with you because I there's very few programs that I support and um and I Amy's is amazing. Amy's is amazing. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh so Warrior School is for women. Uh, and most of the women that I work with are in their 40s and 50s. And what's really cool about that is that they have spent years and decades chasing like the objectified body, the aesthetic body, and they come to this place in their life. Uh, A lot of them are mums and they actually want to feel great in their body. They want to feel strong and confident. So all of a lot of the women want to be mobile and strong. And I love that. Like, I love that about worry school. And that's a really important part. Like you got to be okay with building a strong foundation and like the vision, you know, is really got to be about having this body that carries you through life, through the rest of your life. Um, You know, I don't do a lot of stuff with like the aesthetic stuff and, you know, fat loss stuff. And I I really, a lot of the work is in building this foundation uh, and teaching you how to train. So all of the women are on individualized training programs. So they all train. A lot of them train from home, like 90% of them have little setups at home because uh, I believe, you know, we don't we don't have to go to a gym, you know, if we 
if we find it hard with our schedule, our family, you know, we can train really well at home, especially in the first couple of years of building that foundation. And then when we get to this place of like wanting to lift weights and lift heavy weights, you know, we can, we can go to a gym. So they pretty much all train from home uh, three days a week. And uh, yeah, it's like online. So, you know, they write notes and film themselves and Basically, we're just building their foundation to support their vision. And then there's a community part to it. So I have a school and there's like a curriculum. And so we have loads of like uh, events and calls and classes. Uh, uh, We do like live online classes together where we train together because it's fun. It's fun when you train together with other women. Uh, And so there's that really cool community part to it. Um, And I teach you everything really that you need to know about building that strong foundation. Uh, Yeah. So if you want to learn more, you can go to my Instagram. You'll get a good vibe and good sense of it. I post a lot about my warriors and their wins. I'm so proud of them. Uh, I'm just proud of these women for being brave uh, and taking the long way home because it's not easy. This stuff is, you know, it's simple. I think to, to have a performing body that functions well and is healthy, Uh, is simple. It really is if you break it down, but it's not easy work. And so, yeah, I'm I'm just super proud of women who just choose to take the long way home. Uh, I think it's it's super awesome. Uh, And you can find out more information through my my Instagram. Yeah. Thanks so much, Amy. I've loved having you on. We always have good chats. (laughs) We check out Amy's podcast, everyone. Amy has a podcast. We haven't listened to it. Oh, yeah, I do. You probably have because I've been on as a guest. So you probably have. I hope you have. But check it out. Um, and, and she really breaks down a lot of these concepts in the podcast so you can listen to it more. Like if there was anything we discussed that you want to listen to more in depth, she does talk about it in her podcast. Yeah, I do a lot of solo episodes. Lucky <sighs> lucky everyone gets to listen to me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I've got to do that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, honey. And oh. Thank you. I'm sure you'll be back on the show soon. (laughs) I hope so. It's a pleasure. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that I know you and I'm so grateful for the work that you do. Oh, me too. And we've just like, we're so lucky. These two little Aussies all the way across the other side of the world. Sometimes I think your accent's getting a bit Canadian and then you say culture or water. (laughs) And then I remember you're still Aussie. (laughs) I'm Australian. I'm Lena Lutz and you've been listening to The Body Never Lies. If you haven't yet, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. All the resources and references from this episode are waiting for you on my website, leelalutz.com. Just click on podcast and look for this episode. Now join me next week for another episode of The Body Never Lies. Thank you so much for listening.